Coming to you from 8122 Production Studios in the heart of the 607, this is Horror Zone 607. Like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter. And remember, you can always join the conversation using hashtag HZ607. The podcast where we talk all things horror and bring you the week's biggest horror movie news. I'm your host, Mike C., and we are back at it for another week of fun-filled horror movie action. And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm, I've been tunneling, as you guys know. Uh, I started in an uh, undisclosed location, uh, a bunker in Kansas City, Kansas, and uh, was kind of making my way... Uh, towards i believe it was i was under the mississippi last week when we last spoke yeah and um I, I you know this week i found the uh i'm gonna be honest i found the uh found the youth it's uh it's here i'm i'm hanging out and i'm swimming in it right now <laughs> the, show. the question the question <laughs> and, was uh, is is it in missouri like the mormons always thought uh actually no it's in northern arizona oh oh wow interesting place for it to be in northern arizona very arid yeah oh that's crazy a surprise move that's where it was put. Wow. And it's underground. So, uh, it's, uh, it's underground and above ground. It's uh, it's an underground above ground pool. <laughs> so 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 breaking uh, news here on Horizon Six Hundred Seven: The Fountain of Youth is in in, is in northern Arizona. Go nuts with that conspiracy theorist. Correct. That that is correct. That is the truth. Just don't drink and, from uh, it. You know that's. Oh, I've been drinking from it all day. You're gonna end up like Hugh Jackman in the fountain. It, yeah. yeah, that's fine. In other, that's in, fine. In other news, the, uh, just uh, just like the uh, Gateway to Hell, according to Turbulence 3, was in uh, northern Kansas. So, oh. so you went that's from the correct. Gateway to it, Hell? It also, uh, you went to the, from the Gateway to Hell to the Fountain of Youth in your, in your digging since you've been in hiding in your bunkers. I thought it was in Stephen Dorff's uh, backyard when he was a child. Yeah, it, it's also there, and it's also in the, the Amityville house. <laughs> so it's, uh, it's in all of those places at the same time. Uh, there, do you guys so. remember the gate? Oh man, what a great movie! <laughs> said I, no I don't one, know if that's really a great said, movie. Said, said no one. Yeah, ever. <laughs> yeah, I do. I never even so, saw uh, the so gate. Too. Without further ado, while I'm swimming in the uh, fountain of youth here, the guys are back in the studio working hard, and let's introduce them. Betty White amorously called him "boo." Say hello to Rich. That's right. Betty White is a national treasure. I am on duty to protect her to make sure that no coronavirus gets her. You're one of the armed guards? That's right, man. Round-the-clock service for, so for Miss White. So except now. Except right now. <laughs> uh, well, well, no. I, we, have shifts. Oh, okay. we have shifts. We have shifts. Okay. So instead of getting sleep, I'm, I'm doing this with you guys, sacrificing for you guys. Yes. Because my other job That's is correct. to protect the national treasure it's, that is Betty White. It's a noble cause. It is. Because if you think about it, if it we lose, if we lose Betty White, then that means we lose everything. Yeah. That, that is our Olympus has fallen right. moment, and then we're done. Yeah. We're, we're done. That, that, the world's going to go to shit. Anarchy, cats and dogs. We need killing in the street. We need uh, Mike to dis- to explain where the fountain of youth is exactly, so she can get there. Oh yeah, actually no, just just contact yeah. Betty White and tell her. Just let you let Betty know, I, or you uh, can let me know, I and I will take a, Betty a, there. A I will take Betty yeah. there. 
In, inside of a bubble, yeah. of course. We move her around in a bubble like Bubble Boy because we she's a national treasure. That's a movie pitch right there, getting Betty White to the Fountain of Youth. Yeah, that would be great. <laughs> yeah. Road trip Put her comedy. Put ball and just wheel her there. Yeah. There you yeah. go. All right. Yeah. Well, he's also in the studio with Rich. He is the smartest man in all of horror podcasting. Everybody say hello to the professor. Well, hello. How is everybody? Hi there. How are you? How are you guys? He's, he's well, wonderful. He's in the final year. over a month. Yeah, I need not ask. He's doing clearly better than we are. Yes, clearly. Who is? You, because you're in the Fountain of Youth, and we're here. In, we're here well, yeah, doing I studio work. I actually went from eight to seven, like while we were sitting here. So I'm going backwards in age. Wow, it's great. It's great. All right. Well, you be careful who you like tell that to and the wording that you use, because that's not good. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's a good point. Good so point. I think it's time to fire right into the horror movie news because we have so much of it. You're swimming in it. <laughs> yes, he's, he's yeah, literally uh, swimming in the horror we're just news. We're built to the brim with news this week, so uh, we might as well get started with yeah, it. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, normally, we start out with movie news. Uh, this week, I actually wanted to start with the series news because there was a couple of things that were kind of cool. Um, the big story of the week is HBO Max, uh, which is coming next month. Um, they ordered a Shining-based series called Overlook, and J.J. Uh, Abrams' uh, Bad Robot is behind the project and is you know, so uh, got kind of a big name behind it here. Well, uh, yeah, it's going to be a one-hour show uh, described as a horror thriller that explores the untold stories of the Overlook Hotel. All right. Uh, well, I mean, I will, we'll judge slowly. Of course, uh, the uh, Bad Robot slash J.J. Abrams has an overall deal with HBO Max for five years uh, to create content for that provider. That was one of the first things they did before they launched is lock down J.J. to do content. So I'm not surprised that they gave him something huge to start off with and him and his people. Uh, I, I think that that'll be good. I, I'm questioning the hour, though. Like, I, I'm, I'm starting to yeah. get, like, I, I really feel like uh, like the long-form uh tv shows on uh streaming services i'm not saying that they don't do well because obviously they do but i don't know like it's it's hard to fill an hour it's it's hard to fill 10 hours you know if you do 10 episodes 10 hours of content too man only a few shows like you have to have i feel like that sets you up for possible failure because you have to be real good and on your game for that shit well he's no stranger to this stuff i mean you got lost right <laughs> well yeah but i mean but, but think about it that's not that's not a streaming i mean yeah, yeah are we talking are we talking an hour in length or are we talking 42 minutes there's a difference yeah because if you think about it, lost was was hour on television which is about what 42 40 minutes yeah. 40 42 so i mean if we're talking about a 42 minute a week show that's a little different but if they're going to try to go that full hour which certain shows have uh successfully uh show like uh castle. stranger things well yeah even castle rock though yeah. i mean and uh, what I'm worried, like, it, it's just a bummer that it's not in affiliation with uh, what's going on with Castle Rock, because that could obviously be really cool if they were able to pull in some of that stuff. Yeah, I don't know how they could or not. Yeah, because that's Hulu, right? Yeah, but I don't know or, who the parent company of, Ca I mean, it's on Hulu, but I don't know who the parent company of uh the people who own the rights for cash to the interwebs yeah go for it because uh right now everything's about internet rights because you have a million and a half streaming services that are now just like jj abrams ex executive producer all right so therefore they could, they, could, so. they could tie it he, he yeah it is a bad robot production so yeah they could tie it in boom but uh they could tie it in they couldn't they, oh. they couldn't tie it in like crossover like the characters but they could tie it into the overall story. i'm way more excited about this now actually an hour would be if it, yeah holy crap good this is good 
it kind of depends on what they do with it too. Um, you know, there's a lot of stories I guess you could tell because there were so many characters in the shining. Um, you know, obviously this is going to be something that's going to be a prequel yeah. from, from what we're seeing here. So, um, you know, they could go back to Halloran you know, as his first the, days as a cook was built. Yeah. Yeah. You know, we're going to go back to those parties. To exactly what they'll do with it. Let's go back to them. parties. Uh, yeah. You've got some good stories. I, I would like to see stories with, uh, with what's his name and, and his daughters, the twins, you know, I, oh, yeah. I, would, I would love Brady. to see that. I feel like you're gonna, I feel like this is a good you know, way to I, go I back and look at that, all that story. Be told. But, well, you could have you that know, like every week. Is it going to be like Friday the Thirteenth, the series where you're going to have a curator and some people that come across something and they tell this one story and that's it, or is uh, each season going to kind of be one continuous story? Well, I know? imagine that's, if it's Abrams, if it's Abrams and he's already doing Castle Rock, I imagine each season could be like a different time period in the uh, in the Overlooked. Overlook Hotel. You could have uh, like. My immediate thought is to go right to Halloran, um, his first days, like, working as a cook there. Um, and he has The Shining, so, you know, you could get into that. that right. That would be really cool. Um, the early, the very early days, the 1920s and stuff like that. Um, getting into Grady, getting into... there. The, this is cool. Yeah, there's a lot of setup work you do. You could do it all different, a whole different way, so it's intriguing. Yeah. Yeah, you really could. Uh, I just want to kind of point out, this wasn't something I had for the news, but I, uh, over on Voodoo, uh, I purchased um, the original Salem's Lot and watched it over the weekend. Yes. Uh, you know, very creepy. Uh, a lot of possibilities. I'm actually kind of curious to see what they do with the new movie because we talked about that, I believe it was last week. Yes. Um, that that could be really cool as a remake because there was a lot of plot holes in the series. There was a lot of things that just kind of like just kind of happened without like seeing what was going on. Just like all of a sudden, like characters disappeared and certain characters, characters got turned into vampires and you didn't see it. And it was just, there was just kind of some like weird missed opportunities, but it was very atmospheric and it looked cool at the same time. Yeah. It had a cool score. That, um, uh, so the little that boy, that I forgot one that could benefit from a movie. The, the yeah, floating you know, outside the window, creepy. the way that they did that. Yeah. Creep the hell out of me. I kind of read about that. The way that they did that, because normally they used to use like strings back in the 70s. But they used actual uh, flying children. Yes. They actually (laughs) used real flying children for that production. It was true. Organic. They put them on a boom or something like that. Organic free They were organic free range flying children. (laughs) They were. They were. They were actually from Neverland. So, um, but yeah, yeah, they actually put them on a boom rig and stuff like that and and flew them around like that so you wouldn't see the the strings. Okay. uh, I would love to see that same technique used. I mean, that's better than what you see in most things today. I don't want to see a CGI. No, yeah. I think that they should use the same technique because it was a really cool way to have them floating around outside the windows. Practical I think if they're going to have there's a lot of good there, good concepts. I think if they're going to have people so, floating outside the windows, they have to do the greatest outside. They have to do an homage to the greatest outside the window floating of all time, and that, of course, is Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Uh, Come on, yeah. man. Let me in. I'm hungry. Yeah. Dude, I feel sketchy about this. Why? Because, first of all, you're flying, man. You're flying. <laughs> but come on, man. That I'm cold. I'm else. hungry. Yeah, it's, it's so good. David Arquette to be the star of the new Salem Black. Well, honestly, one so. time we're going to have to do Buffy the Vampire Slayer, the movie, for uh, for a fun horror zone review. That it is, is, it is a fun movie. Absolutely. It's a good movie. I it's, like it's, it. It's a way it fun really movie. Is. I, I do so enjoy it. It's bad it's good. You yes. Know. Yes, and of course Wait, Paul it, Rubens. Paul who's, Rubens is in the who's movie. the who's the guy that teaches her? Yeah. Is it uh, Donald Sutherland in the movie? Yes. Yeah. All right. It's got a cast, yeah. man. Yeah. You got Paul Luke Rubens. Perry. You got, you got Luke, Luke Perry. Paul Rubens. Uh, you know, it's, is it Rucker Hauer in it? Who is Rucker Hauer? Rucker Hauer's the main he's, vampire. He's the main vampire. Yeah. 
Yeah. Of course, Paul Rubens plays the vampire who never dies, yeah. which leads to the great moment at the ooh. Yeah. <laughs> and then he's like, uh, and then he falls, and then also he stands back up, ooh, it's just it's, I forgot yeah, that Rucker Howard was the dude. Rucker Howard, dude, that movie has got a cast. It's a lot yeah. of fun. It's a lot of fun movie. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, Christy it's, Swanson. Like I said, it's is so bad. It's lead. good. It's, it's a really entertaining movie. Christy Swanson's a All right, stone moving on. cold uh, fox. Mike Flanagan. Mike Flanagan says that uh, the haunting of Bly Manor is actually progressing, uh, and um, they finished shooting before the shutdown happened, yes. and it's in post production. So uh, it's being done remotely. And uh, he still doesn't have a release date, but uh, he did say that Netflix will be announcing the release date when they're ready. Praise uh, be. Uh, Praise still be. Plans. They're going to get released this year. I just throwing it out there. If, if Netflix is wanting to make all the money, they would make it sooner than later. Yeah. Because if you think about it, right now is 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 the it's the perfect time. The iron's hot. Yeah. I mean, and they had the they had the yeah. runaway hit that was uh, Tiger King, whether you like it or not. It was a runaway hit for them last month. It, it got them more subscribers than Disney. Uh, it got them, you know, back to being the number one, you know, streaming service. Their movie selection's so, great, yeah, too. Yeah, and, and they just uh, put out that uh, uh, the the one movie that came out. I can't remember. Uh, Ron, I want to talk about, like, uh, co- Combo 8 or something. I don't know. I I digress. There's just there's a new there's a new action film on there. It's not not for me, uh, but anyways, this has been doing good numbers, and it looks like we're doing uh, um, also with this. You could put it out in May and possibly get strike while the iron's hot. I mean, that's why I keep saying about everybody. Disney Plus should be doing this. Obviously, in May you have the uh, birth of uh, HBO Max, so they're coming onto the scene with stuff. So I mean, I would be ready. I I, I would make this happen quick as possible. Yeah, I mean, considering it's still in post-production, um, you know, I have a feeling it'll probably be a little bit later. Something tells me it's going to be similar to the first season, where it's going to be like September, October, when it hits. Uh, I don't disagree with you. That could be too I late. Think that it would be good. People could use that right now. Yeah, I'm just all saying um, that could be too late because let's say things start opening back up. Let's say like like really opening up. The earliest uh, that we have on like things being like full on open is August. So like let's say August things do full on. Everybody's going to be out. Right, everybody's going to be out. So, so September and October, I don't care if it's fall or not. People are going to be so done with not being able to be in groups and shit that any any event where you can be in public is going to happen. And that could actually hurt your your streaming because people aren't going to be home to watch it. That's why I'm saying if you're if you're smart, hit it out now. I guarantee we're going to see a lot more orgies in the fall. Oh, yes. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. Multiple pregnancies. Absolutely. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Same COVID-19 now. babies. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's definitely going to happen. There's going to be a boom. That's the first uh, thing I'm going to do. Is second the, uh, baby boom, baby. Overall world population. <laughs> baby baby boomer baby boomer V2. Yeah. That's what's going on right yeah, now. Right. 2.0. Let's just face it. If this was done as a way of, of population control, it's going to backfire on them. Yeah, pretty much. The population yeah. is going to be higher than ever once this is over. Pretty but, much. Uh, Bly Manor, again, this is uh, taken off the works of Henry James, which is very exciting for uh, for me anyhow. Um, so we're gonna we're gonna have we're gonna have I I know Flanagan mentioned uh, Turn of the Screw and uh, variations yep. on the Jolly Corner, which is one of my all time favorite short stories um, about a man who is dealing with his a haunting of his past selves or potential um, potential versions of himself that uh, could have been you know which is really interesting. Yeah, I'm excited. I mean, we know what Flanagan's capable of doing. The first season was so good that I just cannot imagine that this won't be amazing as well. It's yeah. got to be better than The Turning was, the movie, um, oh. which, again, was actually a pretty good movie until the final act. 
and it really, you know, kind of blew it at that point. But something tells me there's going to be a lot of similarities to that movie. Mm-hmm. But um, it, this is going to just be so much better. Yes. So we're going to find out sooner than later. Faith and Flanagan. Uh, AMC. AMC, is, uh, as we know, is going to be releasing episodes of Creepshow um, over, you know, starting in May. And originally what they were planning on doing was on May 4th, they were going to have a three-day um, like release. Over three days, they were going to release all six episodes. Uh, they have kind of changed course on that. And uh, it's still going to be starting uh, on May 4th. But uh, instead of everything being aired over three days, they're actually going to be airing one episode each Monday through June 8th. And um, so so it's actually going to be kind of spaced out, which I think is good. People could, you know, people could get into that. It's going to yeah. give them something to watch. Um, the other thing, and I don't know if it's good or bad news, really, but uh, Nosferatu, which is uh, another series that AMC carries, and we knew the season two was coming, that was supposed to premiere on June 1st, and that's been pushed back to June 21st because of this. So kind of gives you some uh, some things to watch uh, on AMC uh, coming up here in the next few yeah, weeks. It looks like Smart they're move. figuring it out. Yeah, Smart the, move to space it out because it's like the difference between the them and a streaming. The, the difference between them and a streaming site is they are an actual uh, TV cable channel. Yeah. So like you have to have content that can be consumed over time. You know, not on demand. You know, and so with with that being said, I like the idea because now you're going to be stretching that out. You have you you now stretch this out over you know that six week period of time and that puts you right into Nosferatu coming back so then you're going to be like you're going to have people adapted already to watching television at that time and then bam you got something new to watch I, I like it all the way around of course if you have not seen the first season of creep show yet because you do not have shutter uh it's gonna be an awesome uh, event for you or you could always go ahead and take advantage of i, I do believe it's still working as far as i know the shut-in, uh, the shut-in. so go to shutter and uh, sign up with promo code shut in and you get 30 days of shutter for free and then you can check out creep show and curse movies which we'll be talking about uh for the final time then then, then later on just, in the review section i just typed shitter in the no. search bar. <laughs> Shut, shutter not shitter yeah i, I think it's, it's it's not shitter so anyways uh but the shitter is full uh but anyways uh yeah so you can you can go Very ahead and check all the all the stuff they have to offer because if you're listening to this i'm assuming you're a horror fan and it is a quite the uh streaming service for us horror fans so mm-hmm. check that out if you haven't but if not AMC is going to be awesome to watch it on as well. Now, I thought that a lot of our fan base was actually My Little Pony fans, but yeah. I could be wrong. Maybe Bronies. Fans, we do have a big you know, brony. We do have a big brony segment for this show. This one's for all the bronies. Sure. That, that's because they identify with you, Mike. For some reason, I'm not sure why. That's, yeah, that's the it's got to be the the. It's got to be the full sleeve My Little Pony ta- uh, tattoo that I've got on my left arm. You know, it's it's yeah. a thing of beauty. Probably. So it makes sense. It makes sense. So what you right, got on the movie news? Um, so, you know, we kind of heard little things, kind of similar things coming from the cast of Halloween Kills and, you know, the people that are behind it. But uh, one of the co-writers, his name is Scott Teams, um, recently said that the movie is, quote, like the first one on steroids. And uh, went on to say that people that like the last one are going to like the new one. And uh, finished his quote by saying, it really is the bigger, badder, meaner version of the first one, end quote. Uh, in. I immediately was turned off by that and will no longer be seeing Halloween Kills. <laughs> oh, and, yeah. uh, and, and in other, with Mike. But you'll watch it like 15 to. 30 times yes another news of another news of mike uh hating uh hating on something uh water is also wet <laughs> yeah come to oh, find out water, water. Come, come come to find out antarctica is also still covered by ice so that's all that we have in the news johnny i uh, know uh i'm i'm all right with that 
Bigger, badder, meaner. I like mean-spirited slasher films. I mean, that's why I like uh, uh, Friday the 13th Part 5, even though you know it gets a bum rap sometimes. But it's a definitely a mean-spirited slasher film. So if they're going to take it in that direction, uh, I, I'm all right with that. Well, I, to, I don't have a problem with them. to kind of bounce off the end of the first one there, like the Halloween 2018, like that ending, you know, mostly what I really liked about the movie was you know it goes into the whole idea of uh the themes of like fate and uh coincidence and especially like michael meeting back up with laurie is mostly coincidence um in this case of course laurie thinks it's fate because like she's been preparing for it and all that kind of stuff but michael getting to her house is all just coincidence and then at the end he's like staring up at them from that fiery you know from those depths and uh like now he is on like he's going after them you know like yeah. now he is like it's no longer like, it's no longer it's, it's no, no longer, longer just killing it's no longer randomly killing people he knows exactly who he's going after now yeah i can agree with you there i i do think that it, it does play a big part that it like in her mind she's she thinks this is fate but that's because she's that's, prepared herself for yeah. this moment that's because she's wanted this moment she sought that moment out think about it in, in, in a lot of ways you know she tried to make it happen almost wanted, wanted it, to wanted happen, it yeah. well she willed it into existence yeah i mean in theory she went out uh, to to go up to that bus anyways and yeah. take care of the job but then she she lost her uh, nerve but it, and she was a little sauced yeah. you know whatever but uh then you fast forward and like that's what she wanted i mean she goes into that neighborhood when he sees her for the first time you know after he, she pops a shot at him yeah the only reason he sees her is because she's actively hunting him yeah he's not and he wasn't actively hunting her. yeah he's just escaped he's doing his thing killing people mm -hmm. and uh everything that leads him to that house at the end is on michael's side just pure coincidence now, now mind which is you, something interesting i thought now mind him. you i'm sure that he was pleasantly surprised that yeah. that was coincidence yeah but it was coincidental yeah you know so i i don't think yeah i don't think ever, at any point they set it up where uh, he was on a, a war path to find her. Yeah. It was the other way around, and she kind of willed that into the universe, and it kind of, the universe has a weird way of making things happen that you will into it. So it'll be interesting to see him. It really was the opposite of the original Halloween, too. Yeah. You know, the yeah. first one, he sees her, he stalks her, he, he doesn't kill anybody in between. He's not after anybody else, which is one of the things that I didn't like about this one that was just pointless killing. Yeah. Uh, but that's also because he's a machine. It in there, but he's been pent up in he his... Is, he's but, been in uh, You know, he's the one stalking captivity. her, and you know, he's, he's doing everything. And in this one, you know, everything that happened to him in the first one happens to her in this one, you know, she falls yeah. out of the window. He looks out, she's not there. Yep. And, you know, she is hunting him and stalking him and he doesn't even know that she's well, after him. You know, it's, that sort of stuff. So it was kind of like a complete opposite of the first one. It's a cool reversal. Well, that's, that's what I was going to say. That's the good part about it. The good part that I that I enjoy about it is it was. And, like, it, here's the thing. How If you go back to the original, how many people would Michael have killed if he didn't fixate on her? Yeah. Whatever it was about her, uh, whether it be remind him of his sister or et cetera, et cetera, uh, he fixated on her yeah. and that took his focus off. And, and there was deaths in between because on the way to killing her, he killed her friends. Yeah. You know, that they, they were in the way. Uh, so you have, you have, right. I just mean like, people no, 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 streets, no, 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 he right. wasn't just going into random houses and killing random people. Yeah. Right. But think he about it, method. but think about it. If he wouldn't have fixated on her at that point in juncture for whatever the reason he fixated on her was, there's a good possibility he would have just gone on a killing spree. Yeah. But whatever it was with her, whether what like I said, whether he she reminded him of his sister, whether she reminded him well, of his mother. he killed the guy, mother, the mechanic who whether, he took his uh, Right, but this, yeah, right, that was beforehand. Yeah. See, he was on the path he of probably people, yeah. killing motherfuckers. Yeah. And then 
he sees her and for some reason in his sick mind he's, he's like that's what i want yeah and so he follows that end goal whereas now he gets out he's been pent up and he's just and like, he's I, just need to like kill I just need to kill yeah. so he's doing he's being a wild animal and killing and then all of a sudden he sees her yeah he's like oh that's shit the bitch I got, that got my eye i got unfinished business to take care of <laughs> so, so here's something i've always kind of wondered it's just a subtle thing in in the movies in the whole series really but I've always kind of wondered this. Why the coveralls? He always goes after a mechanic and takes his coveralls. Why that? Why not it's some the, other clothes? It's, it's Why the is perf- it always the coveralls? It's the perfect thing if you're going to kill something. You know, it's, it, it covers your clothing because he's probably wearing something very nice underneath. Yeah. That he doesn't want to get dirty. You know, we, we don't really <laughs> know. He has a nice suit on underneath? We don't know. Michael might dress very fashionately and, and he, he, might, he might have killed somebody else and he's got this very nice Versace suit on and you don't want to get that dirty so you put coveralls on and bam, you can be business on the outside and party on the inside and I think that's what michael does it yeah. makes sense it, it does really i mean I, I mean honestly i think it's crimes of opportunity yeah and if you think about it uh, uh, the perfect opportunity and it sounds really bad to say but think about it, a mechanic working on a car might not notice you come in and then just fucking smash his hat or something or whatever you're doing well, like in the first yeah. one yeah he got the idea like oh coveralls yeah. these are great you know and yeah, then it worked the second the, one right. he actually it's went like, into shit, it worked so well the first time <laughs> yeah. you, you know what i mean but think about it, it, it you know it's, it's kind of a crime of opportunity it is, but sticking with that same point, why why that mask? Why the mask that looks like that? Because he takes several of them throughout the course of the series that look that way. Why that one? Well, the, way, the one he gets in twenty eight. Well, if you think about it, the one he gets in twenty eighteen is the original mask, or that's what it's played as. Cause, yeah, because right. those those right. It looks to me that he kind of follows those doctors and stalks them. Yeah. Or no, sorry, not doctors, podcasters. Because if you think about it, he it's not per, it's not accident that he finds them. He he wants he wanted to find them when he was free because he wanted to get his mask back. That's his property. Yeah, like he feels an attachment to oh. that mask. So the fact that he comes in because you got to remember for 2018 purposes they erase everything that does not take place prior. Yeah. So we the, have Halloween. We have Halloween, which he gets that mask once he get once he acquires that mask that becomes his mask. Yeah. That's his thing. So now he wants that back because there's probably some solace in that mask. And that guy comes in and flaunts it like right in front of him, you know. He's like, "I'm going to get you." Yeah. "I'm going to get you." And he does. You'll and, see. But that's my 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 point is I think that's where they come from. But I think a lot of the stuff also he's a big gentleman. So maybe they're saying that maybe most people who work in garages are big, even though I don't see that yeah. myself. But maybe that's the where they're going from in a writing standpoint. It's just cool visually. It just looks cool. <laughs> that's sure. true. I don't know if you'd be so scared of Michael Myers if he was wearing like jeans and a and a cardigan. <laughs> I don't know if he's as terrifying. I don't know if you could put him in like I don't I don't know if t-shirt in 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 uh, basketball shorts conveys Michael Myers so well. <laughs> I, 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 there's, there's. I, now I, I want to see that. You know, the, certain guys well, have some. Well, keep in mind, back in the seventies, it would have been like little short shorts. Bell he would have really uh, been stunning in that, walking around town in this platform like, shoes. Like, I can see him now, bell bottoms in that big, shorts. in that, in those big collar yeah, shirts, collar the big out. collar oh, poking yeah. out. There. And oh, we got to give him some platform like shoes with the, with the, uh, yeah, laser <laughs> shoot, laser shoot, Michael, and he's got to have a platform shoes with a fish in the heel. <laughs> Like I, I could see, man. I think we should make this movie. Dead fish. I think this is or dead fish. Disco. A lot of disco. Disco. Disco Mike. Disco Mikey loves disco music. Can you imagine him walking down the street like John Travolta, staying like, alive, you know, like yeah. staying alive, playing. Yeah. That's a comedy. I'd be all for it. Take it. Oh no! It'd be right. actually in so his case. Coming, uh, no, I got it. You can't cut me off. This October. You can't cut me off. We'll see. You're trying to cut me off. 
<laughs> it can't be staying alive though if we put Michael Myers there. It has to be taking the lives. Taking the lives. Taking the lives. Taking the lives. Just walking down, just stabbing. Or stabbing with knives. Yeah, or stabbing with knives. Stabbing with knives. Stabbing with knives. And then he's just. As long as he's in a, in a nightclub, like doing like the Travolta dance, like the, with the pointing. Oh, could you stuff? imagine yeah. that? Oh, when he does the, this, he just starts slitting throats when he's just like yeah. doing the little, instead of the pointer dance. He's got the knife. Oh, man, we got to make this movie. Yeah. <laughs> Fan film, we got we to get At least it. a comedy listen, sketch. Listen, <laughs> we, we need to get on, we need to get on like GoFundMe or Kickstarter. We need to make this movie. We're going to make this movie. That's happen. it. I'm writing a script. Let's do it. <laughs> Anyways, now, Mike, now, now we can push forward. <laughs> now we can push forward? All right. Some pictures of storyboards uh, from the original Ghostbusters surfaced recently, and they show, actually, uh, John Candy, uh, who was originally cast as Lewis Tully. So how how different would Ghostbusters have felt if we had gotten John Candy instead of Rick Moranis in that character? A ton. Yeah, it would have been very different. Well, I can kind of see, like, John Candy doing the kind of character he did in Vacation at the end, like, with the glasses and the, oh, well, you know, like, uh, the, the moose outside should have told you we're closed. <laughs> you know, I see that as his <laughs> version of Lewis Tully. But Rick Moranis, man. I think Rick Moranis guy's a genius. Better, man. Uh, yeah, I mean, not to say John Candy. I you're open, but... I love, well, I love, I love, I love John Candy. So do I. So, but I don't want, you know. But so then again, you know, it would have been a different feel. Ghostbusters. Think about it. Ghostbusters would have been a completely different feel from the jump, anyways. You know, because instead of you know Bill Murray, we would have had John Belushi. Instead of uh, instead of uh, Ernie Hudson or Harold Ramis, because neither of those characters originally would have been Eddie Murphy. Yeah. So it was originally supposed to be three of them, maybe. The three of them. no, yeah, it was. And it was also supposed to take place in the future where Ghostbusters was just a company. So, I mean, there was a lot of changes after John Belushi died that Dan Aykroyd made to that script. Well, yeah, I mean, they were they were wearing right. visors to see the ghosts. Yeah. Um, it was set in, like, It was a future. A future. It was yeah. a futuristic world. Yeah. Uh, like I said, I, I don't... I, I mean, so there's a... This is definitely a new one. I mean, I love John Candy, but I just... I can't see that role not being Rick Moranis, because I think that small, nerdy kind of character was the perfect character for that role. And seeing a big, yeah. large man yeah. in that role, I'm not sure. I'm not sure if he, the run him. You know, remember the, there's a scene where he's going through Central Park. Remember the the dogs chasing him, the demon dog, if you will, is chasing him. Yeah, and they get to, and he goes up to them and he's banging on the window of the, of the fancy restaurant on the other side of the park. I I'm trying to picture that with John Candy, like when it's when it's Rick Moranis, you're like you feel so you feel bad for him because you're like, oh, look at this helpless guy. Meanwhile, if it's John Candy, it's like me. Yeah. banging on that window is as a <laughs> large fat man and i don't know if that's, that's what it is yeah it's uh, the it would have been like the great outdoors when the bear is chasing him you know but yeah. you know been there i mean uh, the well i mean they're both second city later. alumni they like i think the the uh improvisational chops would have been there but rick moranis like even the spiel he's given to his uh party guests that would have been completely different, you know. Like, oh yeah, everything would have right. been way different. I just want to point out that 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 art wasn't he was, an accountant. Yes, yeah. yes. That art though, the 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 art, the actual sketch art for that. If you notice, it was back when Ghostbusters was two words. Yeah. If you look at the bottom, it was separated. Yeah. So I mean, oh, this yeah. was definitely yeah. an early on. And Slimer's concept. coming at him. So like, yeah, we're. I pulled up the uh, storyboards, and it looks like Slimer attacks uh, Louis Tully in this version. Yeah, so the part where the dog comes running through the door, remember who brought the dog to the party? Because that's that's the scene. Yeah, probably, the scene that yeah. they show in the um, 
And that then that storyboard is the scene where he comes out and he threw the coat in the room and it ends lands on the demon dog, if you will. And yeah. then he comes over and he's like, Hey, who, who brought a who dog? Brought the and dog? then it comes through the it comes through the the door <laughs> and then he's running from it. And that's where yeah. the, the, the chase scene starts. That's where that storyboard is, but instead of the dog, it's Slimer coming through the door, breaking the door. And it's John Candy. And I mean, that's obviously completely different. Once again, I, I didn't notice on the bottom too, Ghostbusters, two separate words. So that's kind of an interesting, I, I mean, once again, it, it, it could have, could have, would have, should have. I, I still think Rick Moranis is definitely the better role for the movie, in yeah. my opinion. Because like I said, I'm just picturing myself because I'm about the size of John Candy. So I'm like kind of picturing myself running around. I'm like, nobody's sympathetic to me running around. Plus, there was a lot of running in that movie. And as a fat man, I'm just going to say running is not our friend. So I don't know. He would have gotten caught. He would have never made it to that restaurant. He would have gotten caught in the park. Yeah, it would have been. It, <laughs> it would have been a short run. It would have been a whole different. It would have been it definitely. I feel like it probably the candy would have made it work. But, oh yeah, he's a great actor. He would. But uh, yeah, there's there's no uh, like the whole the whole party scene with when he's talking about the guests that he's like Ted and Annette Fleming and like they're they're I I got the quote here like it's just him talking about all the stuff getting their deferred bonuses and like yeah. it's so it's so perfect and he's just such a nerd and he's trying to hit on Dana all the time and like oh I heard the TV go on so what I did was I went out on the ledge there and tried to turn it off <laughs> like he tried to then, he tried then, to then sneak out into- then, then I got locked out of my house for a while that, that I had to go down and knock on the window from uh, with the lady down the hall to let me back in because yeah. I was I was locked out was, on the ledge he walked out on the ledge of the apartment building to try to like, <laughs> so funny oh could you imagine Jack Candy walking out of- never mind oh, no, yeah. <laughs> oh man that was great uh, once again I think that would have been cool but I, I think that the uh, history is 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 we'll keep it this way plus I do there's like this one. there's not a lot of movies with rick moranis at this point since he retired yeah. from acting so early you know like we need everything we got yeah pretty much what else you got mike happy accident we'll call it uh so we'll finish it off this week um with some news that i know that the professor is really going to enjoy yes uh so we know that you're a big fan of a24 Yes. And uh, they are going to be auctioning off props and costumes for movies such as The Lighthouse and Midsummer, Hereditary. Uh, they'll be donating 100% of the proceeds to four different New York City-based charities, uh, kind of in response to everything that's going on with the coronavirus. Uh, first auction uh, taking place April 22nd at noon. Today. Followed by another round on April 27th. And uh, finally on May 11th. Uh, so you can go to a24auctions.com if you want to place a bid on these items. And uh, some pretty cool stuff on there. So, like, um, uh, April 27th, uh, they're going to include 10 items from films such as The Flower Dress. And they call I, I don't know what this is called. You would know what this is, but a Harga mallet. A and harga uh, mallet. a headpiece uh, from a bear costume. Oh, from, from Midsummer. Midsummer. Yeah. No, that's uh, – yeah. those, are, those are fun uh, fun little items. <laughs> you guys haven't seen and either then, of those uh, movies, right? Like, any of them? No. No. Did you see but, this? Uh, Did you see this movie? There's also four items from uh, Robert Eggers' uh, The Lighthouse, which yeah. will be auctioned off on May 11th, and that's going to include the carved mermaid and the infamous light itself, it says here. So, oh, wow. Uh, so some pretty cool stuff if you're a fan of those movies. That's really cool. Anything from The Witch? Nothing? Uh, it doesn't say anything on here. I haven't actually gone to the website to see what's on there, but it's stuff yeah. from other movies. It just it doesn't mention The Witch at all, but I wouldn't be surprised. Yeah, that. Either way, A24, great uh, production company um their movies are all very interesting <laughs> i'm part of an a24 yeah. film uh group on facebook 
and uh, there's some there's some interesting uh, posts. A lot of people um, when they type the witch, they use the two V's, and it, and it, it's like no, this is the way it's supposed to be. And it's like no, no, the movie is the witch. The only reason that Robert Eggers used that typeface with the two V's is because back in that time period in which it's set, um, a lot of the bigger fonts for um, for newsprint and for like the printing press a w didn't exist so they would just put two v's together um so it is the witch it's not two v's so those people need to stop it anyways that's so it's not the vvitch it's not the vvitch the vvitch it probably should be <laughs> yeah the v- the vvitch the vvitch the vvitch the vvitch the vvitch which one is it but anyways it's good for charity it's good for i'm glad they're doing this they're good good company good company very good company uh i i i think there's nothing wrong with that hopefully they make a a boat ton of money for uh yeah for charity. and the lighthouse is great that's cool that they're actually uh selling the light there um that that's an impressive uh prop uh yeah, I don't, I don't know what you would have to do with i don't don't know what you do with it but it's still (laughs) an impressive prop yeah but yeah, well, good news yeah. segment. Good want, news check segment. it out. A24auctions.com. They should, uh, uh, Robert Pattinson's mustache is what we were talking about. They should, they should, uh, auction that off. I'm sure, I'm sure some young woman would buy it. Yes. Yeah. Especially somebody who was a fan sure. of Twilight. They'd be touched his lip. <laughs> <laughs> oh my. Come on. They, they buy all sorts of weird stuff on the internet. Yeah. Somebody once uh, bought a bottle of water that Justin Bieber took a swig out of for like, yeah. like a few thousand dollars. Like, I'm, I wish I was yeah. making that up. No, you, you I wish I was making that up. Meanwhile, if you would like to take a swig out of a, a, of a uh, soda from Speedway that I've been taking a sip <laughs> out of, uh, you could probably get it very cheap, but I will sell it to you. Yeah. <laughs> Just throwing that out there. But if you would, uh, it, you probably don't want to do that, but you might want to interact with us. We could you put might, it up on. <laughs> yeah. You might want to interact with us. You might want to talk to us. You might want to discuss the things that we have discussed, or you have something you want us to discuss, or you just want to say hi, because uh, like I said, the professor has a lot of time on his hands recently due to you know uh quarantine and of course Teaching mike c, remotely of course mike c as well in his uh it's right now swimming in the fountain of youth he's obviously knows how to work a phone still because he's he's here uh my so, journey around the country yes so with that being said you can hit us up on facebook horror zone 607 like and share that page we're also on twitter and instagram at horror zone 607 uh use that hashtag hz607 whenever talking about the show you can also go and check out our archives and some of the reviews from the past and all that happy jazz over at 8122productions.com uh i would normally plug news events but let's be honest everything got canceled so uh, we are a part of no cons because all of them got canceled yeah. we are a part of no whatever but whatever uh you can still go and get see the archives and check out some stuff you can check out what the three fatners have to offer the wrestling show has to offer eventually maybe i'll get around to not playing uh, NBA 2K20 and maybe I'll revamp it a little bit but yeah. uh, it's kind of depressing right now to look at what we were going to be doing in upcoming events and now, uh. now nothing. So uh, with that so if you would like to support the show monetarily uh, and uh, get a sh- crap ton of bonus content you can do that at Patreon. Patreon.com slash 8122productions. You get the uncut, uncooked, unedited version of the Three Fat Nerds podcast every week. You also get uh, the bonus content filled with the wrestling show that we do every week with Ken M from the Ocho Duro parlay hour and also you get uh now not one but two of the hottest shows behind a paywall first making its debut this week i love movies that's uh ron from three fat nerds uh i'm also uh, do a little bit of stuff on there as well with him 
since I'm in studio to record it. And uh, the first week, he talks about John Wick. And uh, the premise of the show is simple. It's movies that other people love that he might hate. It's movies he loves that other people hate. Or it's movies that everybody loves that are just bad. <laughs> those are the three things that we come. And uh, I will I will let you in a little tease. If you're not listening to the Three Fat Nerds podcast, you, if you do, you know. If you don't. Ron does not like the movie John Wick, so that's why it was the wow. first episode. Uh, so we talk about that. It's kind of fun. It's a good time. But that'll be coming out this week. And, of course, you have the hottest show behind a paywall, and that is Love is Scary. Uh, Dr. Derek uh, bringing you those uh, hashtag H for hot ramen. Ask Michael about the hot ramen. He loves hot ramen. Uh, I don't want to talk about it. <laughs> the hot ramen messiah himself, Dr. Derek, giving you what you need, coming to you a couple times a month. Uh, eventually, we'll get Mike back on when he's not in quarantine, digging his way through the country. Uh, but uh, mm-hmm. for now, Der- Dr. Derek's holding down the fort, giving you what you need in the world of love. And, of course, you can ask questions and so much more. And you would think that that costs you a ton of money. It doesn't. It only costs $1 a month. For $1 a month, that equals $12 a year. You get all of that bonus content. You could also become uh, the next level up, which is $3 a month. And you Gets you a little more stuff and we're always working on new stuff to come in there just to give up on and all that money goes to show uh you know i know you can't hear it on this show currently because we're using until we get a different setup because you know this came out of nowhere uh we are i use the skype on the ipad to talk to mike c so we can't use the soundboard but we did get up there upgrade the soundboard because of you patrons so if you're on patreon thank you anybody else who wants to support the show patreon.com slash 8122 productions i know i was long-winded there sorry guys but it's uh it helps us keep the, the show going and also uh you know it's kind of like supporting local you know yeah. support what you love so it does not go away remember that's what we play uh that's what our pledge is around here so we are going to take a break. When we come back, it's time for this week's Horror Zone movie review. And uh, we kind of switch things up. We'll talk about it when we come back. We'll be right back. Hey, this is Dustin Perry from Ghost Hunters and Ghost Hunters International. And you listen to Horror Zone 607. zone and it is now time for the horror zone 607 review segment and uh you know we started doing the reviews the last couple weeks because there's this awesome series on uh shutter called curse movies curse films right i do believe it's actually yes, curse films curse films and uh it's a real short one to watch it's it's a good watch uh with the, i don't know the first episode i wasn't a fan of i, I was honest about that the no, yeah, it was, was kind of eh. eh. 
but uh, it, it caught its stride. Poltergeist, The Omen was decent. Poltergeist was really good. And then the last two uh, were The Crow and Twilight Zone, the movie. And the funny part is that we were talking about this before when during our production, is it went away from really being cursed films into going into films that just had really bad on-set safety. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, they're both really yeah. good emotional stories. You should definitely check out Curse Films on Shudder. Once again, I know we do not... I, I got to put it out there. We do not have a sponsorship from Shudder. Not saying we're not welcoming we just, one. We're just... We, fans. we just we are fans of horror and it's a great place to get your horror if you do not have shutter and you want to check it out uh sign up for shutter use the promo code shut in you get 30 days free yeah. so there you go so they're doing that for you and then after that it's only like 5.99 a month it's 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 it's, it's, it's worthwhile and you know you can split it with a friend i'm not going to name any names <coughs> anyways <laughs> uh so uh with that with that being said uh originally originally we were going to do the twilight zone movie for this segment I got to bring this up only because we found out that our own Mike C, the, the, the man who is the host of this show, <laughs> has never seen the Twilight Zone movie. Now, for most people, you would go, eh, well, it's not bad. Well, first of all, Shame. remember that this podcast is called Horror Zone 607. It is named <laughs> after the Twilight Zone because we are from Binghamton, New York. And, and, and that is where Rod Serling, the creator of the Twilight Zone, was from. This yeah. show is an homage in namesake. Not 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 in like what we do, but an homage and namesake to the horror legend Rod Serling from our own hometown. Yes, and Mike has never seen the Twilight Zone movie. Mike, shame. Yeah. That was that was shame. the first. By the way, that was the first. That was in the first defense, argument. So Rod Serling was long dead when this movie came out, and basically we were at a point in time where there had been a revival of the series on television. That was terrible. Yeah, it didn't compare to the original, so I just figured that the movie was probably just as bad. How aware I were you? I, I love the original series. How I love aware the of you were so that? I don't think there's an episode I haven't seen. How aware of you were that of you? Blah, blah, how aware were you of that? Back in when was this? Nineteen eighty. Nineteen eighty three is when the Twilight Zone. So movie how you were? How old? This would be. I didn't watch anything <laughs> horror related uh, until the nineties. I was okay. afraid of horror movies. I've, I've talked about that. On the yeah, show, yeah, I'm just messing but, with you. Do, I was going to say, do, 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 do so the quick math. Time, he was, was about five. I, didn't watch that stuff. I, I, I just see a five year old like, oh no, this series. can't be as good as the. <laughs> but I anyways. loved the Twilight Zone series when I was younger. I used yeah. to watch it with my mom every time they had the marathon. I used to watch it with your mom too. Yeah, I'm sure you did. Oh, anyways, anyways, Mike C again this week. Eventually, eventually. Mike C will have to watch this movie. It is worth watching Twilight Zone the movie, if for another reason, for Terry twenty thousand feet. Yeah, um, there's two, yeah. there's and two I segments. See that one. I did see that yeah. segment of the movie. I have seen that because I had seen the original one, obviously. On you know with uh, William Shatner. So yeah. I have seen that part of it. I just haven't seen the rest oh, it's of it. So good. So since we're also throwing Mike under the bus, so then we decided to do the other movie that was came out this week <laughs> on there, and that is The Crow, which is not a pure horror movie, but it's very dark and dark in tone. So we're going to talk about the horror Crow. elements. Horror. And elements. Uh, Mike divulged to us, and, and mind you, we don't know what his review will be after this. He divulged to us when he watched this as a young lad at the age of fifteen. He did not like this movie, Ugh. and uh, to which that he, is right. He got and, a brow, uh, he got a, he got a brow beating for the professor. Now, now I'm just going to kind of i'm going to kind of uh pull back the curtain here you know magicians don't don't give away their tricks but we're going to do that right now here on the show <laughs> so we have a little we have a facebook messenger group chat it's the three of us plus uh former studio owner ron who's uh, still part of the group and we just pitch ideas and talk about you know throughout the week what we're going to talk about on the show and things like that so when this came out we were talking about it on there and 
the professor's immediate response to me was, first, I'm going to punch you square in the mouth, I believe was the word that he used. After that, he then proceeded to tell me that he wanted to set me on fire. He yes. wanted to set me on fire. This is true, folks. Now, no, again, no. For, I, I was 15 I got a backtrack. Old, I was in 10th grade when this movie came out. We got to backtrack. <laughs> hold on. You can't throw him completely under the bus. You said... You, you brought up the fire first because you said you could light my house on fire. Just make sure I'm now at home. And the response from the professor was, <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not interested in your house. I'm going to light you on fire. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Yes, he did clarify that fact. Yes. And I appreciate that. This is buddy. true. I really do. <laughs> so, so anyways. Uh, again, to my defense, to my defense, <laughs> this came out when I was 15 years old. I was in 10th grade. And the only time I had seen it, I was at a party. Oh. And... I wasn't really paying attention. It wasn't my style of movie. And I just never got back around to watching it. I never, I didn't care for what I did see of it then. I, and I, I lo- just had no interest in watching it. I love it the fact that he was 15 when this movie came out. We, we were, were 11. We were 11. And, and we both loved this movie. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I want to point out one more fun fact that I did not uh, divulge to, to you fine, fine uh, guys in the studio. I have actually seen, up, now, now I did watch The Crow yesterday to prepare for this segment. So I have seen it. Nobody knows how I feel about this. I've kept it to myself. Yeah, but we'll wait. The I'm, fun fact here yeah. is I have actually seen the entire movie of whichever sequel had Edward Furlong in it. So that I just want to throw that out Wicked Prayer. Wicked Prayer. prayer. I said Wicked Game. Like, sure. it was, like it was like that it damn Chris Isaac song. That's why Tara Reid in it. That's why you watched the movie because you saw Tara Reid was in it. Yeah. We know. I met her. I'm sure you did. I hear she's a peach. Anyways, uh, uh, she was fine when I met her. Yeah, I've heard she's pretty awful, but when I met her, she was a like a nobody at the time. She was, uh, it's when uh, she had been in a couple of things, but she was promoting um, Urban Legend. I was ah. in New York City to go see David Letterman. Oh, wow. And her and Alicia Witt came in to promote that movie in uh, Planet Hollywood. And I actually got to meet her while we were in there. So she was fine when we met her, but she was kind of a nobody at that point. Yeah. Well, and it's kind of funny how it's uh, gone full circle. Yeah, there you go. So. She was maybe in Big Lebowski up at that point, right? Maybe she'd yeah, suck a cock for a thousand dollars. So we're gonna. So as I just mentioned, let's dive right in. We are going to be doing the Crow. Of course, the Crow was released on May thirteenth, nineteen ninety four, with a runtime of one hundred and two minutes. Yes, uh, it is. It was written by uh, David Shue and John Shur- uh, and John Shirley. <laughs> But it was based on the Crow comic book slash graphic novel by James O'Barr. Uh, the movie was produced by Jeff Most, Edward R. Pressman, and Grant Hill. And it was directed by Alex Proyas. Proyas. Proyas? Yeah, I couldn't say his name. Proyas. He's Australian, I believe, right? Yeah, I, I do believe so. Uh, the movie, of course, is stars Brandon Lee, Ernie Hudson, Ernie Hudson and Michael Wincott, amongst others. Oh, yeah. Uh, I'm not going to give the David whole, Patrick Kelly. Yeah, David Patrick Kelly's uh. in it. Uh, Michael Ma- Massey's in it. Yeah. Uh, we're not going to go through the whole cast of characters. I just was giving that. Uh, Bai Ling. Bai Ling's Bai Ling is the also in it. was in it. Yes. Tony Todd is also in it. Uh, so, like I said, Tony it's Todd. got it's got a cast. It's got a cast. Hell of a cast. Uh, the budget of the movie, $23 million. And it made $50.7 million in the box office. It was considered a bust at the time. But it has gone on to become the occult classic movie, to say the least. Yeah. I will also point out that the song that you heard to open this segment was Big Empty by the Stone Temple Pilots, which was the most uh, notable song from their soundtrack. As a matter of fact, the video for that song is actually the tied into the movie. 
So, with that being said, we are going to talk The Crow, and I know before we dive into the movie, the professor would like to take a minute to talk about the graphic novel slash uh, comic book that was written with the same name, The Crow. The Crow. Uh, yeah. So go ahead, uh, Professor. I'm open the floor for you today. Yeah. If uh, if nobody has read this, I mean, it, it's a yeah, it's it's excellent. Um, very different from the movie. So like, you get a, almost a completely different story. I mean, the revenge is there. Um, you have you have Eric. Uh, do they have a last name in the? I don't book? remember if they have a last name. It's I think not they just Eric. Have Dra- it's, it's not, not Eric Draven, Draven for sure. Um, but his wife is killed by a gang of thugs, and so is he. And he comes back from the dead and kills them in terrible ways. To um, get revenge, yes. Yeah, and uh, there's there's a lot of very significant differences, um, especially in the in the gang members themselves. Um, in the ways that they are killed. Um, it, Michael Wincott's character in the movie, uh, Top Dollar, is like vaguely mentioned, if he's even in... Uh, it's been a long time since I've read this. But um, he's, he's, he's not... Vaguely, yeah. He's, he's, he's not one of the guys that the he goes after. That's like, he's like the big bad that's out of reach, pretty yeah, much. Yeah, um, so, you know, and, and it's very artistic. Obviously, um, it, it's mostly... It, it, it's not word heavy as far as a lot of comic no, books. Very it's, mostly, it's mostly imagery. And, um, you know, you have these weird sequences with Eric dancing around and doing ballet and stuff like that. Cause his, his fiance was a dancer or whatever. And, you know, like, um, it's just a lot of really kind of abstract moments. Um, it's, it's really, uh, the artwork's fantastic. It's black and white. Um, it's really cool to look at visually. And, um, you can tell that it was a, a work of um, of what what could you say? It, it, it was a passion project um, from James O'Barr because uh, the backstory for it is he wrote and came up with this um, to deal with the uh, grief he suffered from uh, the death of his fiance when he was 18 years old. His fiance was killed by a drunk driver. And um, this was his coping mechanism. And uh, y- you can feel the pain as you read it. Like it's, it's just like the violence is super violent in the uh, comic in the comic series. It was only four issues. Um, I, I don't know when it was released exactly, but it was only a four issue series. Um, there have been other series that he actually um, did. Rich, you have some. Uh, just uh, the first appearance by the Crow character was actually in Caliber Presents number one. Uh, the Crow publication was put out by Caliber, was then put out by Caliber, uh, sorry, Caliber Press, uh, sink, Kitchen Sink Press, Image Comics, and now it's published by IDW, which they have relaunched, believe it or not. Yeah. The original run was only one, two, three, four, five, six, oh. seven books. Oh, seven books. So All they right. came out between February of 1989 and February, or yeah, it was a full year. There was a full year, pretty much. Okay. So the Crow, the Crow Razor. Oh, well, no, these are arcs. Sorry. The Crow Caliber Press was February of, to May of 1989. They did this weird. Number of issues is 45 plus, but the original run was only about six to seven. Okay. So, yeah. The the art the art was uh, done by uh, James O'Barr, did the, most of the art and the original by himself. Yeah, he wrote, this was like a self. He, he was yeah. 100% like the guy that 
put this out. So yeah. like it's it's kind of hard because the page for it is actually mixing the the two that I really did. I just did a quick search. Yeah, uh, it's mixing that with different incarnations because they have reborn it reborn it. I said reborn. Re- reborn. It's been reborn. <laughs> it's been reborn <laughs> it's a been... bunch of times, including recently as as recent as 2012 for IDW. Obar has come back and done different iterations. I mean, there's different versions of the crow that come back, different characters take on its powers and it's usually for the purpose of vengeance and everything um the only comic book series i'm familiar with is the initial run but um you know it it uh as a comic book it it really is worth checking out if if, especially if you're into the darker kind of it's got a lot of nasty bits in it it's gross it's 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 very vile so On the other flip side of this, we have The Crow, the movie. It, it got bought. It got adapted. Uh, obviously, as you could tell, 1989 is when it originally came out as a comic book. So it, five years later, it's coming out as a movie. Yeah. So it was bought and adapted pr- fairly quick, uh, believe it or not. Uh, yeah. So the directors decided that they wanted to make a gritty film. Yes. And this was a gritty idea. They redid the story. Uh, they actually had a lot more elements of the comic book that they had to take out later on, obviously, uh, because of the tragedy, which we will talk about later. We'll save that to later because uh, that does come into play, obviously. But the movie itself is set in a very, uh, it, it's a dystopian future. Because technically speaking, it's 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 not in the present day. It's an alternate it's an version alternate, of Detroit. It's for an sure. alternate version. <laughs> believe it or not, it was an alternate version of Detroit for 1994. Yeah. And I do believe the movie takes place in 1999 oh, okay. is when the is is when the movie itself is supposed to take place which like five yeah. years later shit has gone down the detroit looks like a a barren wasteland they were ahead of their time yeah because <laughs> now that's kind of what detroit looks like although not as portrayed in this this movie so it takes place in detroit it's barren it's ran down and, and everything is ran by different crime syndicates slash gangs yeah and uh they have a night where uh, they go out and they, Devil's Night. Devil's Night. And they do some uh, hedonistic stuff. Now, mind you, these guys are criminals year round. Yeah. But for some reason, on Devil's Night, they burn stuff down and rape and pillage. Yeah. I, I don't understand why it's just that night, considering they commit crimes all year round. That part I never got, but that's what happens. So on this particular Devil's Night, they go out and they find this young lady. They rape her. Her boyfriend walks in on the rape. They kill him. They kill her. Yep. Uh, the crow comes. The crow comes over the uh, the tombstone, and the the boyfriend comes back to life through the power of the crow, who gives him the ability to come back for vengeance. Yep. And uh, and it's it, so it ensues. So as it we gives do, you it gives you a little bit more of the kind of Native American mythology yes. that goes behind the symbology of the crow, more so than the comic book. The comic book doesn't even explain anything having to do with that no and, um, it, and it barely explains how he gets the face paint yeah because no uh, it doesn't yeah in the comic book it doesn't really explain why he does the face paint at all yep and in this movie without words they explain the face paint because he yeah. comes back he's he's thrashing around and of course he finds the mask and the mask has the old clown paint it's on her dressing room and it's on her table. dress so he does his makeup yep. with her black lipstick yep. he uses all white paint and then her black lipstick to mimic the mask as he's going to go get vengeance for her to one of the to one of my personal favorite cure songs oh, yeah. um uh what uh burn oh yeah, man burn. that and i know rob smith uh he has trouble uh, like you don't really typically hear the cure play the song live anymore because i think you know rob smith being who he is i think it's a very emotional song for him and especially the tragedy of the movie um 
hits him pretty hard too right. as well so mike before we go any further how on your rewatch how are you, how did you feel about the atmosphere because that's one of the things we we grade here highly and i mean obviously me and uh, the professor over the moon about all this yeah as, as you guys could probably tell at home uh how did you feel about the atmosphere of the crow uh actually loved it uh i did like the atmosphere a lot early on in the movie when i first started watching it i was noticing that it jumped around a lot there was a lot of strobe lights and the like there wasn't one cut that lasted more than maybe five seconds and it was kind of bothering me and that toned down a little bit as it got going but um basically the first thing that kind of went through my head as i was watching it like you know in terms of like the atmosphere of it i found it to be somewhere in between sin city and tim burton's batman returns yeah that's 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 a lot kind more of where reds. I felt that it was. I think what the way it opens and with all the strobes and the cuts, as you think, I do believe that artistically, and I mean, obviously, I, I haven't seen anything on this, but I, I would assume, and I don't know, Professor, you might just I think artistically they were trying to make you disoriented in the beginning of the movie anyways. Because yeah. you get an overload of information in the beginning of the movie. You get the, the actual death. You get the right. flashes to his life so you can kind of see that he was happy yeah. and they were happy. And then this happened. You get the flashes of other people's lives. Because obviously he comes back a year after this happens. Yeah. They get killed and it's a year year later so they give you a lot of information i think they want to keep you like off. A, i think they want to keep you disoriented so you feel kind of like he does because when he comes back he's very disoriented yeah and it's like a music video uh oh, really yeah. like uh, you can tell this was made during the music video era because the whole opening is like the yeah aftermath of the death and it's like the police scooping shit up and like they're out on the streets right and it's, and it's and the I, little I girl coming up said there too i think that the era had a lot to do with this i personally do not like the slickness that Hollywood went with between like 1990 to like 1995, 1996. There's a lot of things I don't like about the look of movies back then. And I kind of felt that here too, a little bit. It kind of had as much as I liked the sets and everything, it kind of had a cheap look to it. But at the same time I started thinking, okay, this is from a graphic novel. This is intentional. So I kind of gave that in my mind. It was, it was things I did not like about it at first. And I kind of gave that a pass in my own mind. Because I, I figured, okay, this is being done intentionally. Yeah. To to speak to Alex Proyas, if anybody's familiar with what he's done after The Crow, Dark City was his next movie. And that movie is famously known for how many times it cuts. Not one scene in that movie. Um, it cuts every, it cuts to new shot, like every few seconds. Like it's famous. Dark City is famous yeah. for, like this guy cannot keep like a steady camera like he's he's he's, he's, he's he doesn't like do the long takes he, does, he he cuts he cuts 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 he's he's basically the he's he cuts he does a lot of cuts like physical cuts yeah i'm gonna and look where the exception where the exception of uh it's i was gonna almost go up with like richard kelly but richard kelly shoots longer things and he just cuts them up in in post so you know he's got that kind of like a uh, he's got that kind of directing where everything can be disjointed because it's kind of like oh I cut it up and I threw it in the air and that's how we got Donnie Darko, <laughs> but uh, anyways uh, back to the crow so the, the atmosphere I could agree with that the music is really good in the movie oh yeah uh, as you pointed out burn burn is on there of course you know, like I said we played the Stone Temple Pilots song Big Empty was on there then you get into the actual soundtrack soundtrack of the movie it's very. It's very much in line with what the movie is. It's it's dark. It's gritty. It's got the uh, it's got the feel of you know at times where it makes you feel overly passionate. It has the times where you can tell you can tell the emotion of the movie just from the soundtrack. It gets angry at the at the times you are supposed to be angry. It gets light when you're supposed to be light or upset. It's it's, it's very good work on the on on that end, in my opinion. Yeah, prefer- and the the soundtrack is one of those like 
mainstays of the 90s like it's one of i'd say one of the more important uh movie soundtracks of the 1990s and you got like this cool mix of grunge and industrial like you got nine inch nails you got stone temple pilots you got the cure you know you have uh machines of loving grace like all these kind of nine inch nails ripoff groups and yeah it's to me, I, I would say that a lot of the music is what, back at the time, a lot of our you know, listeners may not be as old as we are, so they may not remember this, but at old. the time, um, that's kind of when uh, Stone Temple Pilots was kind of first making it big. I think that maybe they had already had their first album, but it was around that time when they started getting big. It, there was this thing on MTV when they used to play music videos called Buzz Clips, and a lot of the music reminded me of the Buzz Clips that you used to see. Yeah. Um, so it was like buzzworthy music at the time. It was it was a product of its era. Uh, I did like the, um, the the soundtrack, like the music that they used for that. I can say, and again, keep in mind, I, I realized this this was going on. Everything that was happening in this movie was done very deliberately. I was not a fan of the score. I expected it to be really? very very mm. dark and ominous, and it was very ballet like at times. And just to me, the the, the score was very corny with it. I, I did not like that one bit, huh. but I did like the, the actual soundtrack music that they used. That's strange. So I was kind of back and forth on that. I've that, always liked it. Like all that kind of. Yeah. Well, it was yeah, a lot of industrial. It was, it was kind of upbeat for what was going on. Well, and it just wasn't, it wasn't what I would have imagined that the score would have been for the look of the film. The, I would have expected something very dark and ominous, and it wasn't. There's no limit the, to what we the, can imagine. The film score composer was, and I'm going to say, I'm going to butcher his name, is Graham Ravel. Hmm. Um, he, uh, the reason why he had those uh, nice little wonky stuff, by the way, was in the 1980s, he was the leader of the industrial electronic group SPK. And then he started in the 90s. His first major motion picture, guess what? The Crow yeah. is his first soundtrack. But okay. he also went on, and, and you're gonna. It, this is an interesting list of famous films. He's done a lot more, but these are the famous ones. And also in 1994, he did the Street Fighter movie. <laughs> he did the 1995 Mighty Morphin Power Rangers movie. Then it switches because he did From Dust Till Dawn in 96. He did The Craft in 96. He did The Saint in 1997. The Negotiator in 1998. Bride of Chucky in 98, Titan AE in 2000, Lara Croft Tomb Raider in 2001, Daredevil in 2003, Freddy vs. Jason in 2003, and Sin City in 2005. Jeez. So he's got quite the composing okay. list. Uh, so I don't know. I've, I've always liked it. And once again, maybe that's because I also am familiar with the uh, the, the – the, the base of this, which is the comic book. Yeah. And in the comic book, there's a lot right. of ballet yeah. because uh, they don't show this mind, as I've much. I've never in, read that. Right. I didn't even know. I think I had heard that it was a graphic novel or a comic at one point, but I, I didn't even realize that until I saw the uh, curse films and it talked about, you know, the origins of it and where it came from. Yeah. So I kind of had a feeling that for those people that were fans of that, that what was happening deliberately in the movie was, was a general result of where it came from. It, it's source material. Yeah. But, you know, again, to me, the music, it just, I, I didn't care for the score. I like, again, the soundtrack worked with it. I just thought that it would be a lot more dark and ominous, and it wasn't. It was very upbeat and very ballet like. My 11 year old so, self. I, I, that's the best way I can put it. My 11 year old self, like, I, I became obsessed with this movie the moment I saw it. Um, it just spoke to my darker sensibilities. Like, I've always been a fan of revenge movies and action movies. I became obsessed with Brandon Lee. I sought out like the graphic novel and my much to my parents' chagrin because they're like, oh crap. They, they watched the movie after I had seen it and they were like, oh, we kind of wish you hadn't seen it <laughs> because for an 11 year old, I mean, I, I went to Catholic school and 
you know, this is a pretty brutal movie. The the characters talk about awful stuff. I mean, the the main villain, Top Dollar, played by Michael Wincott, is introduced after um a, after having sex with his sister, and there's a dead body on the bed, and uh, there that's how the character is introduced. And the sister comes in. Clearly, there's some sort of incestual shit going on, and uh, they're, they're joking about how they broke this dead girl on the bed and then um michael wincott says like daddy always told me childhood is over the moment you know you're gonna die and like it's it's heavy there's a lot of really messed up stuff going on just like in that brief little moment and my parents were like oh crap but i became obsessed and i wanted to read everything and i read the comic book and like i don't think the comic book would have made sense to me at that age if i hadn't seen the movie first I, I, I mean, it's I'm starting to make sense why you wanted to set me on fire. Yeah, no, absolutely. I, I, I'm with you. I, I, I've always <laughs> been a fan of like uh, darker movies. I, I, of course, maybe it's the time because Batman '89 yeah, came Batman. out when I was a kid. Yeah. So, and I'm a huge Batman fan. I think that's where it sparked. Yep, that was um, me too. So that's kind of gives you the darker side of things, of course, because Tim Burton made that movie dark as hell. Uh, but then you know, I go back and at that time point in juncture, I'd already seen the Death Wish movies. Yeah. So uh-huh. like re- revenge vigilante movies are great, and I, I still yeah. love Death Wish. Uh, so I mean. The, this movie was up my alley in so many different ways. Yeah. Uh, different time, though. Like, I don't know if like, people would show their kids this and this time. We were no. talking about that. But then again, we are the, the generation who grew up in Gremlins was a kid's movie. Yeah. And and that movie is a straight horror movie. <laughs> yeah. or, or The Witches or, you know, Watcher in the Woods. The Witches or, is terrifying. In, or Legend or <laughs> Never Ending Story to an extent. You know, yeah. there's a lot of movies that are pretty pretty terrifying yeah if you really think and boil them down the never ending that we story. Were kids. the yeah. the main thing the is the nothing like the what nothing. kind of concept is it, that and the nothing is basically like a werewolf well that's like, gamork that's gamork oh yeah the agent the, of the nothing. nothing yeah the nothing is this like abstract idea like you're what? It's, it's it's crazy it's crazy it's crazy but anyway don't forget don't forget the wonderful world of Disney's presentation of Mr. Boogity. Oh, uh, yeah. Dude. Oh, yeah, yeah. Dude, there's so much. Uh, I'm just saying. So, like, we, when you hear somebody like us in 94 and 11, when me and the professor were both of the same age, uh, and we saw this movie, you know what? Hey, by then we had seen some shit. This <laughs> was some for- but this was a formative movie. This was a movie that, like, basically helped form a lot of my sensibilities when it comes to, like... Can't rain every day. Yeah. There's, there's an, I believe it or not, in this downtrodden movie, there's... A, there's all the time. I'm just saying there's uh there's uh the the weird part about it is there's uh this movie even though it has very depressing things has very uplifting messages yeah. in the, it makes in the movie. And then there's some fun moments too like when uh Eric visits um uh oh what's Ernie Hudson's character's name? It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Um he, he visits his apartment and then like they're they're shooting the shit and then uh uh Eric Draven uh, Brandon Lee smokes a, a puff of cigarette he's like you shouldn't smoke these they'll kill you <laughs> yeah there's just such dark humor it's, it's pretty funny you know but uh with that being said i, I we're gonna do some things a little differently call, here because i'm gonna turn it over dead. i'm gonna turn it over to to mike in a minute but let's let's do things differently because he's the wild card here before we go any further of course curse films goes into the death of brandon lee movie is not not only is it a great movie in my opinion we'll get to that in a second but it also is super famous because the star of the movie, Brandon Lee, whose career was taking off, was killed during the making of this movie in a horrible uh, accident, which was brought up, brought on by some, you know, just misconduct, if you will. Yeah. Uh, nobody checked a gun. The gun had an empty cartridge in it from a different shoot. They put the flash in it, so there shouldn't have been anything in it. And when the trigger was pulled, 
the projectile came out, shooting him and killing him. Yep. And uh, the movie was then filmed afterwards, creepy enough, using a body double and in some scenes a mask, a death mask of Brandon Lee mm. to put over the person's face so you wouldn't know it was them from a distance. Luckily, they had shot most of the movie. Yes, luckily. Um, uh, but the movie did come out, and it was not insensitive. The movie only came out because his mother and his fiance both wanted the movie to come out. Yeah, and thankfully well, this it is did a come out because this is an amazing movie. It's a masterclass in like uh, acting too on his part because your action movies really didn't have like a main character like this uh, where he was doing method acting shit. Like uh, if you get the Blu-ray, you can see he was like, and this was completely on his own he didn't he wasn't told to do this he was tying the bullets to his hair and you can see the bullets in his hair in the blu-ray edition of this and like that was just the thing like people have talked about like he really got into the character he was like this guy would save the bullets that he used to kill the guys that killed his girlfriend and that was a little quirk that he added to the character you know like um he was he was doing like danny devito and with with um the penguin in batman returns this set the stage for stuff like Heath Ledger, you know, like oh, yeah. doing doing uh, method acting style stuff in comic book movies with Christian Bale, Heath Ledger, these guys like Brandon Lee was there like way ahead of the game oh, yeah. um, on this. And it's such a shame that uh, he this, he, was, this he, should have been his breakout movie. And this said it was his last movie. Yeah. Uh, uh, it's so sad. Yeah. Well, with that, I'm going to go with our scores of the movie, which I'm sure will be high. And then we're going to go to Mike for his explanation of how he felt and then scored it, because there's a good possibility that Mike might meet the fate of somebody in this movie. <laughs> the professor has it. If, 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 if this goes sideways, I'm just saying, if, if, this goes, if this goes sideways, he's either going to end up with, he might end up with in, in knives in his organs in alphabetical no, I'm order. I'm going to tie Mike. I mean, yeah, it's, he's right. Like T-Bird, David Patrick Kelly's character. This is the really, really real world there ain't no coming back i'm gonna tie him to his car <laughs> set him on fire and drive him off that, that was amazing <laughs> or like i said the knives throwing knives at him oh yeah he, he stuck knives in him in, in, in all of his organs in alphabetical order like, yeah shit <laughs> Uh, victims you know. aren't we all yeah oh man so it's good. so good when he gets killed and he does the the, the he, gets, he gets shot and he's looking through his hand and it's like yeah, the woo, stigmata. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, Fun boy, don't you fucking die. He just puts it on, puts his hand over the muzzle and shoots through it. He just looks at it, he screams and he's just like laughing. It's, 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 it's such a creepy movie. Well, he Anyways. plays it off like he's hurt at first and then he yeah. starts la- yeah, it's and so looking good. through it and stuff at him. Like, like oh man, it's, it's a great movie. Uh, so my score for this movie, simply, simply put, I'm going to say, you know what, second week in a row, I'm going to say nine, nine out of ten. I, I, I love this movie. I told people all the time, this is one of my top 10 movies of all time. Absolutely. I think it's because of the shooting style of the movie. I, I, I love, I like cheesy action films. If you yeah. know something about me, I, I love cheesy action films. I'm a big fan of like Demolition Man yeah. and, and Last Action oh, Hero. And, 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 you know, there's a lot of like stuff. This makes the world of action with the world of supernatural, with the world of comic books. And like you pointed out, he's this is basically put together as an action film, but you have a character that has layers. Yeah. And he's flawed, but at the same time he's flawed, you can see yourself in him and you can see yourself feeling the way he does about revenge and then also confusing that he's back from the dead because, you know, he shouldn't be, but he's he's dead, you know. Yeah. And and here you are brought back to get the revenge that you should be able and to it, get. You get a sense like he doesn't even feel like it's right what he's doing, but he's just gotta do it. He's got 
how to do yeah, it. Yeah. You know, it's just driven. Uh, but so I've I've always loved that about this movie, and once again, it's one of my favorite all time. So I give it a nine out of ten. Professor, give it a grade, and then we're gonna kick it over to you, Mike. And Mike, you can tell us how you feel, and then give us your score. And once again, no pressure. You can say whatever you want. And thankfully, you're safe in a bunker. But you know, the professor knows where you live. This is yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's true. Um, this is the <laughs> this is a nine point eight for me. Oh. Like this is like a for and I I rewatched it today actually right before. Um, and it holds up really well. Um, especially Michael Wincott as the villain. Um, it, like he's one of the unsung heroes of the nineties. I think, um, w- one of the unsung villains, he's always a villain role. Oh, yeah. Usually. Uh, yeah. He's um, not, I, he's, I was gonna say, I don't think he's ever the good guy, <laughs> but he's, he's got some great lines in it. Um, you know, some of the most memorable lines too. And he, he just acts the hell out of it. Um, it, it's such a good movie. I, it's near perfect for me. Um, I'm very nostalgic for it though. So, you know, uh, my, my viewpoint isn't so objective on this one, but this is, this is an A clearly an A. All right. Now, Mike, you have the floor. Give us your review. Give us your score. <sighs> okay. So again, <laughs> oh, keep man, in mind that up until I watched this yesterday, as I mentioned before, I did not like this as a kid. I would have given this score probably a two or a three out of 10 as a kid from what I had seen of it. I was not a fan of it. It was not something I liked. Oh man. So that being said, I liked it a lot more than I remember it. So, um, I actually saw the whole thing this time. I think that I saw bits and pieces of it cause I was at a party yeah. when I watched it the first time. So, um, you know, again, atmosphere wise, I liked it. Um, I, I liked the way that it looked. I, I you know, again, as I mentioned before, there was some stuff at the beginning I didn't care for with the way it was like flickering and the yeah. quick cuts and this and that. It kind of bothered me. But, um, you know, overall, I think Brandon Lee, you know, this is a guy that was doing what basically like Kung Fu style movies before this. Yeah, he was actually in Kung Fu the movie. Hollywood. Yeah, he was in Kung Fu and, the movie. You know, and this would have absolutely have been his breakout role. He would have been, you know, one of Hollywood's A-list actors after this mm-hmm. would have been sought after. So he was phenomenal in it. Um, the things that I did not like. So I thought that the henchmen in this movie, not so much, not, not Michael Wincott. I thought Michael Wincott was fantastic. I agree with you guys on that. He was a great villain, uh, very cold, uh, a great, great villain to Brandon Lee's good guy. You know, he was, yeah. they, they were good uh, pairing. Sorry if I but ruined I thought that the henchmen, <laughs> the, the henchmen in this movie, I thought that they were beyond corny. Everything that they did was so over the top and corny and stupid that it wanted me to. I, I wanted to dig my eyes out when they were on screen. Oh, David I was Patrick happy Kelly when they got killed. Oh man, they're all. But, I thought they were great. But David Patrick Kelly. It wasn't Kelly. so much him. It was uh, the guy that played. What was his name? Skank. Skank. Oh my god, that ain't Skank. Like, there, it's Skank. I just wanted to fast forward through his teens. I oh man. It. Smokes and road beers so, and make it quick. Oh, man, it was, it was, so many it was great their lines. teams together. I could not stand it. Yeah. And it really, really brought the movie down for me. And, you know, that was the stuff I didn't like. And on top of that, I think, and again, I I understand that things were done very deliberately and I've never read the comics, so I don't know where the source material is coming from, but I would have liked to have seen more than the last 30 seconds of the love story between Eric and, and, uh, what was it? Shelly. Yeah. The, his, his fiance, um, you see the last 30 seconds of their lives in quick flashback flashbacks. Um, I, I, there was no backstory whatsoever. So yeah. I, it, it, you know, by the end of the movie, I was, you know, I, I did get emotionally, um, involved in the movie, but for a lot of the movie, I was kind of like, what is the point of this? It's what, all what coming the through reason it. For this? Yeah. I get it. 
you know, I understand that a bird comes back, carries a soul, brings him back. He goes for vengeance. The whole movie's about revenge, and it's very comic booky. I get that. But I would have liked to have at least had some sort of character build for everybody, and that doesn't for happen. For Shelley, there's, more, there's very, right? Like yeah, I mean, yeah, Lee, uh, you, you get to know Eric as it goes, but you don't know why. I mean, yeah. you know why. You know he got murdered, and he's back for revenge, but you don't understand, really, the love story that's behind it. This whole thing is done because of love and heartbreak. And the tragedy, and you don't learn any of that. You don't, you don't, it doesn't show any of that other than quick flashbacks. Yeah. So that kind of bugged me, and I would have liked to have seen that. And truth be told, I, I kind of started thinking about how they keep trying to get a remake off the ground that's either going to go extremely well or extremely I hope it doesn't bad. Ever happen. Um, I do think if it's done right, this is a movie that actually could, that the new one could actually be a better film, especially because. I know that Jason Momoa was originally involved in it, and I think that he could actually be a really, really cool Eric Draven. Oh no! Um, some, <laughs> I don't know. By the way, I, I don't just want—I might, might, might while, you're, while you're talking, I just want to let you know the professor is fidgeting all over his chair <laughs> and making faces. Uh, I would rather see a remake of it. I uh, think his face, his face is completely red. I'm, I think he's going to explode. <laughs> I'm not even joking. I wish I was joking. <laughs> I beat red. I can feel my face red. red. (laughs) No, I think that this is a movie that there was there were flaws in it that maybe were intentional at the time and they weren't supposed to be. But to me, there were flaws with the movie that could be done better. No, and I I would be okay seeing a remake. It might be awful, but overall, you know, again, I liked it a heck of a lot more than I originally, you know, did when I first saw it. and again, I say this every week. You gotta, you gotta remember what my scoring system is on this. Oh, it, boy. It's not based on sixty-five is failing or you know an eighty is this or that. It's, it's not what it is. Yeah. yeah. Um, Fifty, you know, five, five out of ten is middle of the road. It's an average movie. I give this a six and a half out of ten. It was not my favorite movie I have ever seen. I was going to say, for him, six and a half out of ten is not horrible. Yeah. It's not horrible for him. But at the same point, <laughs> you, you raised raise some good points movie. except for the remake. Like, I, uh, I, I don't just see think how that there could... are things that could be done better with yeah. it. There's no way yeah. anybody could ever outdo what Brandon Lee did in the era. Well, character, that's exactly the, the, that's the problem with the remake, though. That's the problem if you make a remake. You could tell all the story in if you want. You could tell the story better. You could take care of a plot hole or two, which I'm sure some of them came up because they did miss some shooting. Yeah. You know, it was three quarters of the way done. There was still 25%. Hell, they had to even cut out, you know, a key character in Michael Berryman. Yeah. I mean, which was supposed to be a key character yeah. to, to bridge and give you kind of some of the backstory on the crow and the, the curse of the crow, if you will, if you want to call it a curse. And that would have been was, cool to see right but unfortunately because they didn't have the footage it was hard to do so they couldn't you you know because right, obviously right. with the death so there's certain things that are missing missing but with the problem is when you have a performance like brandon lee's performance in the movie even though you know he passed on in the movie and they still put out the movie in the movie and that speaks volumes of how good that movie is is the fact that he they didn't complete the movie the movie yeah. was not finished as scripted they were like we they had to do on the fly to see this the problem yeah. is is that to remake the movie you have to go up against the, that performance. So you could tell the better story. You could fill in all the gaps. You could put. You could take the original, the original script that possibly had all those gaps filled. You could take it and just shoot it originally how they wanted to shoot it. Maybe with you know just post it up a little bit with the modern stuff. But yeah. still, no matter what, you're going to have to compare that lead actor to 
uh, Brandon Lee. And the problem with that is we've seen, and I'm going to be honest, uh, Crow City of Angels is not a horrible movie. No, I the problem like is it's called the problem is it's called The Crow. Yeah, if they would have just called the movie City of Angels and you know whatever, and in in the sequels to the movie, the the person there is not Eric Draven. Yeah, it's just a different person who's cursed with it, and still people find a way to crap on him. Even I'll be honest, even for its flaws, Wicked Prayer was not a horrible movie. No, no. Edward Furlong actually does a great job as as the character, but the, the problem is everybody's always comparing the problem where he failed and the guy in City of Angels failed because I can't remember his Vince name. Vincent Yeah, where they failed wasn't because they did a horrible job. Everybody just compared them to Brandon Lee. Yeah, even though it's a different person, right. different character, different scenario. Although City of Angel was kind of tied a so, little more into the original. Sarah's, uh, Sarah's in the, let me in pose that movie. this. Let me pose this question because again, I think that looks wise, I think Jason Momoa could have been good, and I think that he's a guy that's kind of already broken out. But obviously, he's not going to be in it. He left the project. Yeah, no, but no. you know, somebody like him, he's still he's he's been Aquaman, you know. But I still think that that guy's got a big Hollywood. You could put ahead of too much of a bro. I don't know. I, I, here's the thing. But and I'm not trying to be a. a let me pose about, you that. You could you could put The Rock in it, the biggest Hollywood star that we have now in this movie. Go you know going by that. And it's not gonna. It, you're gonna compare. It's just the same thing yeah, going I on can't. with the Nightmare on Elm Street remake. You're, you're right. gonna compare everybody. You're right. To but Robert let me England. pose this. this that, that's not where I was going with okay. this. So let me pose you this, because I I do think that this character would be. You know, you got to face it. At the time, Brandon Lee was kind of an unknown guy. Nobody really knew who he was, and it's because he got yeah. killed in this movie that you know it really made him a bigger name. That's what he was already a big name before this movie even came out because of what happened. But he was an unknown actor at the time, mostly. So I think that it could benefit more from somebody that is an unknown that they want really to break out of. You know, if it's somebody that they really see something in, you know, he could maybe do a great job with it. But here's the question I would pose you. If it hadn't happened, you know, if, if he hadn't passed away, what about somebody like Heath Ledger playing this character? If he was still kind of an up and coming star, do you think that he could have done something comparable if it was remade at that point? I, 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 the problem is the fan, the fanhood of this movie is so, and I'm, I mean, I'm a fan of the movie. I'm not, but I want to consider myself a hardcore fan of the movie. Yeah. Like, like, cause I mean, I love the movie. I think it's a great movie. Obviously I gave it a nine out of 10, but there's certain fans of this movie that are, that treat this like, you know, you, you know, the star Wars fans and the star Trek fans, this movie has those kind of fans. Yeah. And the problem with that is, is yeah. that they get very angry anytime you bring up, uh, remaking this movie and they should, they shut it down. Think about it. Hollywood has an interest in remake this movie because it could make money because like they've tried to remake it for years. the last 20 years they've tried to put a new remake they've done they've done the sequels the sequels didn't work and then they thought everybody would forget about brandon lee after a while and forget about the role of the movie and they tried to do it then and guess what happened it's bad bradley it's, cooper they, 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 yeah, yeah bradley cooper's been right. attached to this at one point in juncture rob zombie that's, was that's uh, where they're rob making zombie, a mistake they don't need to get this big established name in hollywood to play it Think yeah. of where the roots of this movie came from. You got a guy that was the son of a legend, but he was but an unknown actor the, at the, the time. But yeah. I, I, I'm going to go you with know, the, here's somebody like that. Here's the argument that I'm going to go with, and is, is look at Dark Knight. Yeah. The after we had the Joker portrayed by Heath Ledger. Nobody, you know, it doesn't matter who you put in that role; they're not going to equal up to what he did. So now you're kind of, right. and you know what's really shitty about that is he's one of the main villains in all the Batman hood, yeah. and you're 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 shoehorned in. You're shoehorned in. You're you're never going to be able to do that character again because anytime that character's on the screen, people are going to instantly shit on it. Because even I'm not Joaquin saying, Phoenix, like, and I know your yeah. views is like that's not the Joker, but yeah, like uh, people, even when I went to the theaters to see Joker, um, people were sitting next to me like oh this isn't 
Joker. This isn't this, this, isn't, isn't, this yeah. isn't this isn't Heath Ledger. And once again, like I said, I don't compare the two because they're apples and oranges to yeah. me at least. Yeah, absolutely. because they're two different characters and it's done different yeah. ways. Yeah. I understand that the fact that what I loved about the movie The Joker was that Joaquin Phoenix played the role of Arthur Fleck very well and it was in the vein of Taxi Driver slash King of Comedy because yeah. that's all that movie was was a remake of <laughs> King was. of Comedy Miss with Taxi Driver that's all that movie was really and I is. thought he had a brilliant performance as such I didn't see it at all tied to the actual comic book character other than the fact that you throw Thomas Wayne in and a young Bruce Lane where he kind of I'm going to just say it finger fucks his mouth with his finger because that's the only way I can go with it it's real yeah, disturbing yeah. and then outside of that like it really isn't tied in at all in the paint if you want to go with that yeah, yeah. but outside of that he was not he, he's never been confirmed as a joker they've kind of played it off as he's the guy who spawned the joker yeah like his his what he did inspired the person who became the joker but uh, anyways uh, we're not you know so I think that the problem is is whenever you have an iconic role like that unfortunately Mike and you see this also in horror we just talked about Robert Anglin when you yeah. have a when you have an iconic role it is hard to if, to fill that role and if they would have right. put some other guy if, if, if the movie was and, and you can have a great movie but if you have a great character that people relate to that's what's hard to overcome yeah. and I think that it's not the movie per se because you're right there is flaws in the movie and, I, and even the professor I, I you brought up some valid you, 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 you brought up some very valid points and if you were to do a remake you could probably address those and make that better you really could but the problem is you have to overcome the character that's associated with that movie and even in right. sequels where it's not the same character it's just the same scenario but it's the same people have got given him a chance and and like I said, I thought City of Angels was a great movie. I actually really it's a really City fun movie. It's a really it's 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 a really good it's a really good sequel. Mm-hmm. It's a really good companion piece because this movie was never supposed to have a sequel. Eric Draven's story ends. Yeah. Even in the comics, Eric Draven's story ends once he gets revenge. Once top dollars once top dollars gone, he gets he's done. He's freed. Yeah. The because cur- that's really what the crow is. It's a curse. He's brought back to get vengeance, and once his vengeance is, you can pass on. Until then, you can't pass on. You basically you make a deal with the devil until you get your vengeance, and that's really where the backstory of this this is. So then you can go on to another character because in the comic books, even the next person is a different character. Yep. It 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 just travels on because the crow brings back somebody all the time. Yep. And there's always somebody out for vengeance because there's somebody getting wrong done you know done to them, and you know it's it, that's what makes the story great but they crapped on it because of that you know if brandon lee was still alive though could you do another sequel absolutely because i think you could have done the sequel like city of angels with his blessing and said hey listen this is just a continuation of the movie yeah. and you could have done a press tour like no 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 this is not me doing the movie yeah this is the, the my storyline they, they wrap up in one movie you know what i mean because he could have explained it as the character you know my character doesn't come back because i'm done yeah we're wrapped up this is the next continuation. Check it out. This guy's, you know, he was in the same position as I, my character was in the movie. And uh, if he was there to explain it, you probably could have done more sequels that people would have accepted. But without him there, people just were like, Oh, they just changed the name because he died. No, no, they changed the name because that's what happens in the comics. But uh, yeah, Mike, that's the only reason I don't think so because there's such a, and they're venomous about it. The, the death threats and the hate mail that fucking Jason Momoa got. And, and, yeah, and, and Brandon Lee was, you know, if we're going to grade his character, his performance, 10 out of 10. Yeah, you know, yeah that was a That was a near-perfect uh, or, or a perfect uh, portrayal of the character, so you're right. Story-wise, that's kind of what I was thinking, where, yeah, there's... you know, the things that bothered me about the movie could be fixed with a remake, because I think it would make it better. I think that the score would be better if it was darker. Um, you know, I just, I, I think that that is something that's been kind of, 
perfected maybe they in do the wash last over where they could fix the yeah like i i really do agree with you in some ways especially the uh kind of music video handling of the romance um you know like you really don't get a, but it's supposed to, like it's supposed to come out through his character like the 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 um relationship they had isn't the focus it's all about it's like pain. it's the pain that he's feeling but you probably would have gotten that more if you understood Shelley as a character a little bit more, I think. Yeah, and, I agree. I mean, there's certain, there's right. certain things that you could have done I think differently. You were on point there. And who knows? We'd have to get an original script and see if that, that could have been in the original script. Yeah. Because remember, we don't shoot movies in sequence. You know, yeah. they shoot them out of order. So God knows. And like I said, there's a lot that got flushed out storytelling-wise because the Mikey Michael Barrowman character wasn't in the in the movie. Yeah. If he was in the movie, that character explains, because in the comic books, he's basically the gatekeeper of explaining what the curse is. Yeah. Like, this is what's happening to you. Because that's basically when, in the comics, Eric Draven goes to that character to find out what's happening to him. He doesn't know and he's like well listen what happened was you were wronged and you've gotten a second chance to make things right so now you need to go out there your intuition is to take out on these people what they did to you go ahead you have carte blanche go out there and do whatever your soul feels needs to be done cleanse them and then you can go on and that's kind of like without that character you don't understand that backstory you know you you piece it together they do a good enough job of kind of piecing it together that you kind of understand that he's there to get vengeance but at the same time, that character actually really gives you the whole overlay of why you come back if, if with the crow and, to, and, and, the, and into the Native American uh, philosophies about that. They do a good job of it in City of Angels because by City of Angels, the Sarah character, which does return, the Sarah character actually explains how Eric Draven came back and how this other guy that she knows who has now come back and she kind of guides him. She plays that guidance because she knows, cause she studied up after her friend Eric came back yeah. on how he was able to come back to get vengeance. So when this other person comes back and comes to her, she has the bridge and the answers because she's studied up on the native American tradition of the crow. What's really cool about city of angels is Judah, the oh, uh, main yeah. villain. Uh, well, what's really cool about the villains in both the movies is like, they start trying to figure out what's going on and get into the, and you have Bai Ling, who's more of a mystic Supernatural, character. Yeah, and she's mystic, like, yeah. she knows if you harm the crow, then you take away his power and all that kind of stuff. And then like in city of angels, you have Judah who wants the power of the crow and he drinks the blood of the crow and becomes a crow himself. Like he becomes a crow like, yeah. yeah. And that, that shit's awesome. Yeah. Um, it's a good situation. But to also speak to Mike's point about like the kind of cutty choppiness of it. Um, just going back to dark city, I checked out um, the average. So the movie dark city, the average shot length is two seconds. So you watch the movie Dark Jeez. City, the average shot link, there is a cut almost every two seconds. In so that it's movie. not, there's so no, I think I'd have a seizure. Yeah, if I there's no, yeah. there's no, conti- well, and I've kind of pieces it together, but there's no continuous shot period. In yeah, the movie. there is no long take there. Like, and I've rewatched that a few times and it's like, holy shit. Yeah, there really is like, bam, scene, bam, bam, bam. Like it cuts so much. And there is a choppiness to some extent with the crow. Luckily, he had more of a obviously the film. He, he had a longer attention span, thankfully. <laughs> yeah. But it, it's still there is some. He he definitely you could yeah. tell where he 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 cut and pasted where he wanted. Yeah, he wasn't very big on taking chop, long chop, shots. Chop, chop. But yeah, uh, I think I, I think it's fair. I think everybody's. Uh, we're not going to play because we're running late here. Uh, mm. But uh, I don't want to keep people. But I'll just give it out. Uh, Metacritic, which is critics only, has it rated at seventy one percent. IMDb out of ten has it at seven point six out of ten. Rotten Tomatoes 
Tomatoes, which is critics and fans, has it at 82%. And uh, Google, which is all just fans and users, 92%. Yeah. So it is a, it is a much-loved movie. Uh, across the board, it's gotten great scores. Even critics give it great scores. I mean, like I said, there is, there's never going to, like, to me, 9, you know, that 9, 9.5 area, where I just gave it a 9 this time, but that's, that's the best you're going to get in a movie with me because I don't really go too higher than that because I don't believe in perfection because it doesn't exist. Yeah. There's always something you can find in a flaw. And, and, and I agree with Mike. Your, your synopsis was actually really dead on. There's, yeah. there's a lot. There is there is some things that could definitely be made better. Um, Unfortunately, with the fandom and with everything that went on, I just don't see how you're able to remake this movie because people come out in droves to protest. Yeah, all, you're only going to get a punch in the jaw for this one. I'm not going to set you on fire, Mike. <laughs> there you go. Your fate, your, your, fate, your fate has been decided. You, you the professor has always the next week, guys. The judge, the, the, the professor has become the judge, jury, and executioner, and decided your punishment. So there you judge, go. Judge, Judy, and executioner. Judge, 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 professor. Right. That's professor what I compare you to is Judge Judy. So. Uh, in closing, do you guys uh, at home, do you agree with us? Do you? Uh, what do you think of The Crow? What's your rating? Do you guys love The Crow? Do you hate The Crow? Uh, I mean, there's people that don't like the movie at yeah. all, and there's people that love it a lot. I think it's more on the other end of more love than hate. Uh, but, you know, there is always going to be, you know, haters. Tell us what you feel about it. Once again, I know it's not, you know, we're, we're not going to get in this. It's not really a horror film. Yeah. But, you know, it has a nice little slasher element to it because he is picking off people. Oh, yeah. Let's be honest. There is a little slasher element. Yes, it's not the perfect like you know in the box horror movie but i felt like with the cursed films we want to do one from each of that that's going to finish up next week we'll have something different we'll we'll talk and we'll figure out what we're going to be doing and bringing that to you next week we're doing twilight zone aren't we or uh i don't i don't know do you want it we could do the twilight zone next week we'll, we'll figure it out yeah. maybe we'll still do twice it's gonna be a surprise but it's gonna be a surprise at this point because maybe not it depends on it depends on situations but with that being said uh if you want to comment on any of it do it you can do it on facebook horror zone 607 like and share that page uh also you can do it on twitter and instagram at HorrorZone607. Use the hashtag HC607 when talking about the show. You can visit 8122productions.com. You can see the reviews we have up there. Hopefully, maybe the professor will do some more reviews shortly of some stuff that he's watched and, oh, yeah. or, or read even. Yeah. Uh, Mike C. always is good about putting up older ones. He's got some time on his hands. Uh, you know, and he doesn't, he's, he's not following his partner, uh, Dr. Derek, with hashtag the ritual. So he should be, uh, he should be able to do that. And, uh, <laughs> And so, you know, check out 8122productions.com. And for no other reason, we have a great archive up for all the shows. We have the page for the Three Fat Nerds podcast, the page for the wrestling show, and also the page for uh, this show. And we have all the archives up. And you can go back. And we were, we, we've been blessed on this show. Let's be honest. So the first the first episode, you know, we did with a, with a cross promotion with the Ocho Duro Parlay Hour. And then the second episode has Courtney Gaines on it. So, I mean, yeah. when you go back in our archives, it's pretty good. Yeah. And then, then you fast forward to this past year, we had Courtney Gaines on again. So he's, he's a reoccurring guest in, in our show. So uh, go check it out. It, it's always a lot of fun if you want to go back to some of the older stuff as well. So all of that is available on the website. Of course, any podcatcher available, you already know that. Tell your friends. Check out HorrorZone607. Last but certainly not least, uh, if you would like to support us monetarily and get a boat ton of uh, – uh, bonus content you can do that at patreon.com slash 8122productions uh, and I'm working on sending everybody a, a nice little gift that's a, a patron too because you know right now with the uh, virus it's a little hard but we're going to be sending out something to everybody so you can help support us it does bring stuff in the show and eventually you guys will hear that nice new soundboard the professor's gotten to hear some of the sounds I haven't yeah. recorded everything up but the professor's gotten to hear some of the oh, sounds it's going to be terrific it's going to be some fun times uh, we would have had we I would have been playing a few of them for Mike if I could <laughs> oh, <yeah. laughs> especially the dude he would have gotten the, 
the, he would have gotten the dude. Yeah. Oh, well, <laughs> that's that's just your opinion, man. Yeah. So like, uh, yeah. so there you go. So uh, Patreon.com slash eight one two two productions. That's all I got, Mike. Take it home. All right. Well, that's uh, it's another show down. Uh, another week down here. So, uh, you know, what do you guys think of this week's show? I just, you know, I'm asking you guys in the studio. What do you guys think of this week's show? That eh, could have been better. <laughs> <laughs> I, I no, that was great. Fired. I had a lot of fun. I had a lot of fun. We we did a good. Uh, I think we did a deep dive on good the job, Joey. Guys. Good job, Yeah, yeah. I had a good time too. I'm lucky that I'm not going to get burned alive. Yeah, uh, or burn. You my are. Sleep you are tonight. very lucky. So that's, that's good. <laughs> so uh, you know, again, I you know, I'm I'm, I'm glad that you guys at least uh, understood where I was coming from with, with my take on on the crow. But um, you know, I, I'm, I'm glad I watched it again. I'm glad that we decided to do this. So I had a fun time this week and. Uh, you know, for everybody at home, you know, again, like the guy said, you know, let us know what you think. I'm kind of curious. You know, do you guys hate me for what I said? Do you want to burn me at the stake? Do you agree with me? Um, <laughs> Actually, you know, you know I, I'm going to tell you what. Controversial topic. Of, when I <laughs> before I leave the studio today with the before I leave the stu- the makeshift studio today with the professor, I'm going to put a poll on Twitter. I'm going to put up a poll <laughs> of who likes the crow, and I'm going to send it out to a bunch of things and, and see if we can get some bites. Because we sometimes yeah. we get a, we usually get some good reactions to that polls. So it's going to be, do you like the crow or do yeah. you not like the crow? Yes or no? That's yeah. it, and we'll do see it. where where it lies. Yeah, and, you know when when you put on the link, you know to you know discuss or or, or leave uh, something in the message on there about you know watch. Let's I keep saying watch, listen to this week's show. You know as we discuss it because I'm well, kind of curious what people are going to have to say. You know, well, based on I should what take you that back. Based on what I said, because I'm, I'm the more controversial. One I here. will attach the show when I upload it to the poll. Yeah. So hey, this is our new episode. Please. This is this is what we're doing. We talked about the crow. You know, you can check it out here and see what our opinions were. Question: Do you love the crow or do you not love the crow? I'd be interested to see. Here we go. Anybody who wasn't like around at the time when it was released, what they would think. You know, like the the millennials well i guess and i'll tell you what if you if you if you hear this episode and you want to send it to us you either want to do it on twitter or send any kind of message to us we'll we'll, we'll talk about comments next week on the show during before we start yeah. the review next week why not because i i am kind of intrigued because i i'm with a professor especially if somebody if there's somebody who wasn't uh was young in 94 whether whether you were born or not whether you like let's say you were like i, I would say cut off age of like five so yeah. let's say if you were born in like 1989 or later, I, or I even definitely. And I, would, I was going to say it, yeah. I would love to see ten thousand, two thousand. Sorry, ten thousand. Yeah, I would love to see ten thousand. I would love. <laughs> I would love. I love to see the two thousand reaction as well. So yeah, the, tell us how you feel. Like you can either do it on Twitter. It, it maybe write a, if you write a comment, we'll talk about it on the show. Because yeah. I, I really am uh, curious to how people feel about it who weren't from our era. Yes. Yeah, it's a controversial topic for sure. This is probably the most controversial thing I think we maybe discussed, just because there is uh, such a love for the film. So, and, and, you know, you got the professor, uh, who's, you know, who's such a big fan. Both of you guys are such a big fan, but, <laughs> you know, one of you guys actually wants to murder me because of my previous well, opinion. Well, I mean, so, obviously- let's be fair. I've wanted to do that for a while. Aside from your opinion. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just joking. That's true. <laughs> it's been a love-hate with thing. That said, <laughs> <laughs> with that said, I want to thank you guys for being here this week, as always. And uh, thank you, listeners, for tuning in each and every week. Until next week, this is Mike C. saying, yeah.